This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The human zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham. It's time to attend you when I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. Dismiss! Good morning and welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. They say a week is a long time in politics. Well, it doesn't really feel like that, does it? Let's have a quick recap, shall we? Apparently, last week's setting up of the independent group of MPs has been touted as a game-changing development in British politics. Well, I can't see it. Theresa May has postponed yet another meaningful vote until the second week of March, even as some members of her party are still manoeuvring to stay in Europe. Jeremy Corbyn is still being accused of not doing enough to curb the anti-Semitism engulfing the Labour Party and it's still not happening despite Deputy Leader Tom Watson's warnings and the European Union are threatening to postpone Brexit for two years while some kind of a deal can be hammered out and a cliff edge can be avoided well here's my news for all these vacillators all these Remainers and all these obscurantist lawyers okay leaving your political party is not leaving Europe postponing Brexit is not leaving Europe abusing people because they're Jewish is not leaving Europe and avoiding so-called cliff edges is not leaving Europe either. There is only one thing that is leaving Europe, and that is actually leaving Europe on March the 29th. 0344-499-1000. Everything else is just absolute and utter balderdash. Coming up, we'll be finding out what's happening with the Jihadi Bride, what's new and exciting in Hollywood this morning, where I have just returned from, and why having a grumpy cat might actually be your fault. You are exactly what your pet is, it would seem. 0344-499-1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, home from California on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, I have to say, as much as I love doing this radio show, I have had the most amazing week of holiday that I've had for many a year. I've been to Europe several times. I've been to Spain. I've been to Greece. I've been to France. uh, I've been to Germany. I have been all over the place, Turkey even as well. But I have to say, going to California is a real eye-opener on what is going on in the rest of the world. Because let me tell you this, America is a giant country. You're all sitting here watching the Oscars and going how wonderful it all is or how terrible it all is all terribly glamorous but let me say this to you if you drive around in a gas guzzling car like I did over in California you get a pretty good idea of what they care about in America and it is not saving the planet they do not care about anything other than making money 
producing huge amounts of energy because that's what they need to keep their, their country going. They don't care about Donald Trump. Not one person mentioned Donald Trump to me in a whole week that I was in California. And California, don't forget, is a blue state that would have liked him not to become president and not to occupy the White House. Didn't even hear much about the wall uh, on the border with Mexico. And I certainly didn't hear anything about Brexit. When I came back, all I've been told about from all of the people that I've met so far is that, you know, there's been some serious game changing going on in British politics. You know, both political parties have changed with, uh, without recognition. You won't recognise them in a few weeks time because they'll have changed dramatically uh, into this thing called independent MPs. Well, I'm sorry, but the so-called independent MPs to me uh, are just a bunch of spoiled brat MPs, it seems to me. In fact, I might change their name from TIGs to uh, SPGs because they are just literally spoiled brats. They want to stay in Europe. They don't like what's going on in their main mainstream parties. I think it's a good thing that they've left, and I think they should have by-elections. Simple as that. I want to hear from all of you this morning, though, because I want you to tell me what I've missed, what I've, what needs to be uh, changing, what should be changing. 03444991000. I want to talk now, though, to a man uh, who is very much uh, revered in these... I nearly said reviled. Revered in these uh, times. George Pascoe Watson, former political editor of The Sun, now with Portly Communications. George, very good morning to you. <laughs> good morning, Mike. Sorry, almost a Freudian slip there. There, George, but let me tell you this: coming uh, as you, you've spent a lot of time in America, you know, going to a place like California, which is so massive. I mean, it would be, I think, the fifth largest economy in the world if it was a country. The amount of energy they use, the amount of trucks driving around, the amount of sort of uh, you know machinery that you see out there is incredible. And you realise that we are a very small island, uh, rather insignificant on the world stage. And quite frankly, you know, whether we leave Europe or not, does not matter a jot to the White House. Uh, to the people around uh, the world, they uh, very much uh, our, our historic position still remains a, a big thing. The royal family still remains a big thing. There's a lot of fame and legacy. But it is also true that it's quite hard in this day and age for Britain to remain a critical nation. And that's why soft power is so important yeah. uh, to the United Kingdom. And soft power is delivered in all sorts of ways. Even, and I'm not kidding, uh, the uh, the award of an Oscar overnight to Olivia Colman puts Britain on the stage. It's not uh, the only thing. Obviously, our position on the United Nations Security Council, uh, our defence, our ability to be one of the few uh, nuclear powers in the world, all of these things actually continue to matter. They do continue to matter, but what I'm saying is, is that all of those things will continue to matter regardless of whether we are in or out of the European Union. That was kind of my point. I'm not saying that we are, as a nation, no longer important, but whether we are in or, in or out of the European uh, Union matters nothing. What matters will be Britain's uh, ability to continue to trade, and uh, I'm pretty sure that will continue to grow. Uh, I think that there's been an awful sense that people have had of, uh, and rightly in some cases, people have not been spending money, businesses have not been investing in the UK whilst they wait. I've just spent an absolute fortune in California, George, I've got to tell you. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to hear that's good for foreign <laughs> direct exchange. But, uh, but I think what will happen uh, as soon as we know what's actually uh, going to happen, perhaps in the beginning of April, um, we will see a big splurge of money in this country. Uh, this country is not going to go anywhere. It's not going to go down the tubes. Uh, we have a fantastic you know, universal language. We're in a brilliant date line, right, well placed in the middle of the world. Uh, we have fantastic engineers. We have fantastic universities. Uh, this is a great place to live. And don't forget, we have the rule of law, which is something we always take for granted and is a fundamental reason why uh, businesses and oligarchs and all the rest of it use London as their home for legal and justice. And, and these things really matter. They're not going to go anywhere. And I think what will happen is that we will become a stronger country, not weaker. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. And what I find interesting, though, is when I do come back, and they say a week is a long time in politics, 
politics. It's one of those, you know, hardy annual phrases that people use. But, you know, when you're away, it seems like you're away for ages. When you're when you're when you're watching somebody else who's away, nothing much has really changed. And all this nonsense about, you know, the, the, the sort of political landscape suddenly taking a, a dip and, and everything changing because several MPs have decided to become independent and form themselves into this independent group of MPs. Seems to me uh, to be rather petulant, doesn't appear to make much of a difference at the moment. What do you make of it? I hear what you say. I think it's a little bit more than that. Uh, it's a slow burner. I don't think anybody genuinely expected the, this to be a political earthquake in one moment. I mean, the independent group of MPs have not even yet got themselves together to have a leader, and perhaps that's kind of fashionable right now, because uh, we haven't got a Conservative leader or a Labour leader who are particularly doing uh, their jobs properly. So, Well, maybe um, nobody wants it, George. Well, there is a definite sense of that. That's not a maybe, that's a definite. Uh, there are a lot of people who would like the job, but not under these terms and conditions and not at this time. Uh, so I can understand why that is. But at the same time, there is a terrible sense of uh, you first and nobody really wants to stand up who's got a really attractive vision uh, and a believable and credible story about where they want to take this country. And that reflects, I'm afraid, uh, the social media-driven society in which we are. People are so terrified of being unpopular that they're not prepared to stand up and say, this is the way forward. You know, leaders don't need to be loved. They need to be respected. Uh, and that's what we're looking for here. Absolutely right. And what about this final hour that we keep hearing about as well? Because it struck me this morning, George, as I was sort of preparing to come back to work and feeling full of the joys of spring. I keep hearing, well, of course, you know, in fact, I heard James cleverly saying it last night uh, on another radio station talking about, well, everybody knows the EU only negotiates when we get down to the final hour. Well, when exactly does the final hour begin? And I know that, you know, I do know how many minutes there are in an hour and all that. I don't want you to say 60 minutes before March the 29th. <laughs> but, you know, when does the final hour actually kick in? When are we in, you know, the home straight? That's a really good question. It's about now, and I think you will find uh, people who are out there have been telling me in just in the last hour, Mike, that uh, the EU are beginning slowly to try and find ways of getting into a new situation uh, where there is a deal. Now, why do they care? They care because a no deal... Uh, is actually very bad for the European Union and many of its countries as well as it is for the UK. And so I think that people are even now, even as you and I are speaking, are beginning to crystallise around a change in the mood and the weather. And I think we will end up in a situation where we will still leave the European Union, perhaps at the end of March, uh, but formally as we get our own laws through a couple of months later than that. But I think we will do it. And I think it's because in the end, political gravity requires everybody to move it does and what about this latest development this morning and we already know about the tory kind of um reticence on in some quarters to avoid a no deal uh, we also know about those who would wish to get a no deal um where are we one with the tory party and their kind of amendments which may or may not be made uh, come wednesday and now a new uh, sort of uh, suggestion from the european union itself that we might meet we might need to wait maybe 21 24 months actually for a delayed brexit all of these things are part of negotiations, Mike. What you hear is a couple of days or a day after they've been first floated as a negotiating position. Some in the EU have suggested that uh, the best way of getting rid of this uh, Northern Ireland backstop is actually not to have it in the first place, yeah. which would require us to have a longer transition period. Uh, and that's when we would actually leave the EU. I don't think that's really likely to, to happen. It's more of a starting position in a, in a conversation. Um, Tories, of course, who want a no deal. There are not any Tories who actually want a no deal, not really. What they want is There's no deal. There's a few. Deal I've met them. 
Well, they don't really want that. What, what, what they want is no deal to stay on the table to keep the EU interested in negotiations. Yeah. Uh, it is true that there are some scorched earth conservatives and others who believe that actually uh, the best thing we can do for this economy is just to rip ourselves away from the European Union, deal with the pain that that will inevitably cause. Lots of people would be thrown out of jobs. There's no question about that. If well, there is a well- question about it, George. Here's the thing. The reason why people say, why don't we just go with no deal is because we keep having these constant interruptions from lawyers. Now, I've had plenty of dealings with lawyers in my life, and I'm sure you have as well. The one thing they're very good at is obstacles. The one thing they're very, very good at is finding another obstacle in front of you when you've got rid of the first obstacle. And that's their job, basically. They, they are obscurantists. They are people who want to complicate matters when they could be simple. And as long as we've got the idea that we can't have a no deal... We'll be doing this forever. Uh, It is absolutely true what you say about lawyers, uh, but it is also (laughs) absolutely true uh, that there are some people whose uh, jobs and livelihoods would be thrown out. uh, How is it, though? How do you know that? Nobody knows that, surely. Well, I'll give you one example. I'll give you an example of a Welsh hill farmer who would never make a profit under any circumstances because it's not a profitable uh, business and it would go out of business were it not for European Union subsidies and right now the European Union subsidies would die Is that the best so, you've got? You're going to put a few well, Welsh well, hill farmers out of work? Well it's it's one example and and you may not have Welsh hill farmers listening Mike but uh, you certainly have a few less now Well no, well, no, listen I mean, I'm not one of those that encourages people not to listen to something they don't like I encourage people to listen to things correct. because they will yeah. be informed. I'm not into yeah. echo chambers and if you're a Welsh hill farmer listening now you may want to listen to George Pascoe Watson's advice and get yourself another job uh-huh. Well the, tr- the truth is that is one example, there are lots and lots of examples of areas where You know, I can give you another one straight away, the European Medical Agency, where they license drugs in this country. This is an area I know very familiar with because I work in uh, some of my clients are in this industry. Their work is actually moving to Amsterdam right now. They've already got it. Yeah, well, the transition is on. Yeah, well, they closed up the shops and folding up the flags. Yeah, but in, the, but in the end, George, you know, all of these uh, subsidies that we get from the European Union are as a result of the money we give them. So what, there's nothing to stop us, for example, if we wish to, subsidising our own Welsh farmers, is there? Well, there's nothing to stop us doing that. That's absolutely right. But then you have to get into a, a, a secondary question, which is one I know that in your uh, days on newspapers and mine too, uh, a really critical question for readers of uh, newspapers who like The Sun is the cost of food. Mm. And uh, a lot of people would make the argument that uh, if we left the European Union uh, with no deal, we would be able to import much, much cheaper food from all sorts of markets around the world. And that is true. But the downside maybe is that you'd have to import food which hasn't got the same uh, health uh, status as the food that we currently Yeah, this is the old chlorinated chicken. I've just been in America, right? There's nothing wrong with the chicken in America. I had a great time eating the chicken in America. In fact, one night I had some really good uh, chicken wings, hot chicken wings with a blue cheese sauce, the like of which you can't get here. And we'll see if we import that. No, I agree with you, but... The downside of all this is that's not the point I was going to make. The downside of all this is that you import cheaper food yeah. again at the cost of British farmers who can't uh, sustain lower prices because it's just not as cheap to sure. 
to but produce. But with the greatest and, of and respect, George. And you say sure, but it's a really, really no, important thing. It but does, listen, but, all, it of the, but all of the things that you have said, George, are not in any way, anywhere near a certainty. None of it is a certainty, and that is the point. And as soon as we try to make it a certainty, the lawyers get involved, they start putting caveats in front of everybody, everybody starts worrying, and nothing happens. And that's where we are. And that's why I say there are many more people now who would like a no deal, whether they're in politics or not. It may be, it may be uh, the wrong way to put it, but there's lots of people who listen to this show and who are out there in the streets and ordinary people of this country who just want to get out and they'll take their chances. Well, they will. That's that's absolutely right. But I'm telling you, as somebody who is a Brexiteer, you know, who worked for many years on The Sun, leading these arguments, uh, now in business for 10 years, and I see at first hand, these are not guesses. These are not suppositions. These are genuine uh, concerns. Concerns. Yeah, listen, I get that. It's but, not, but, I, don't, I don't mean a concern because it might or might not happen. It is an absolute stick-on in some areas that these things will happen and people will have to change. My view is we need to manage the change. It's the right thing to do. It's a healthy thing to do. But I think, I think, we, I think we kid ourselves if we think there'll be uh, you know, riches and glory at the end of this straight away if there's no deal. I think it, it will cause definite pain to yeah, definite industries. I'm sure that many need, people... we need to be clear about that. No, I don't think any, any anybody would disagree with that, George. I don't think there's many people out there who are calling for, you know, the great citadel on the hill to suddenly be unleashed upon us all as soon as we can get rid of the yoke of the European Union. I don't think anybody believes that we will suddenly all be better off and that we'll all be going on great foreign holidays and we'll all be counting our money in thousands rather than in hundreds. I don't think anyone believes that, but I do think that this on ongoing paralysis of politics is bad for the country, is bad for the government, is bad for everybody in business in this country, and there is nothing but a downside to more and more delays. There's definitely uh, a problem on delay, and I would agree with you there, because it doesn't really change the parameters. Every business that I know has already built in uh, contingency. It is already braced for no deal. They've taken the worst possible option, and they've planned for that. Uh, and I think that's where they should be, and they should be ready to leave the EU with no deal and an answer. And I think that that's the best thing to do. To delay things, of course, is the Prime Minister's attempt at trying to stay on the ice as long as it can before it cracks beneath her. Uh, I can understand why she's doing it, and in many ways it's the same thing to do. She's also trying to keep her political party together and stay in power, because the alternative, and let me tell you this for absolute certainty, that the uh, the prospect of a Jeremy Corbyn government fills my clients with a lot more uh, fear than uh, the prospect of a No Deal Brexit. Yeah, well, it fill it even fills some Labour Party members uh, with fear as well. So I don't think that's going to happen, George. You worry too much, man. You should come and have lunch with me. I will show you the true way uh, to enjoy yourself in the future, uh, Brexit free uh, and indeed uh, free of the European Union. Great to talk to you, George Pascoe Watson from Portland Communications. There, uh, telling us why he thinks a No Deal would be disastrous. I don't believe him. I'm sorry. I do not go along with this doom and gloom scenario. I've said it many times before. You know, let's just get on with it, please. Can we? Because the more it gets delayed, the more uh, the the Remainers get hold of the reins of power, the more that they will not let go of them. I say it's time to throw them off the horse, to be honest. 0344 499 1000 is the number. I want to hear from loads of you because I want to get your perspective on what happened last week, what's happening at the moment as well. Of course, Theresa May out in Sharm el Sheikh uh, meeting with Angela Merkel and various other leaders in the, uh, the Middle East. Dangerous mid morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Yeah.
You're listening to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio in association with the Times. Politics tamed, you might say, and quite right too. Uh, we're here, of course, until one o'clock when Matthew Wright and Kevin O'Sullivan uh, will be along as well. Let me read you a couple of quick tweets. Uh, Ian says this, agreed on Brexit. This is nothing about delay to get a deal. It's all about how they can stop it altogether. There are no leavers asking for a delay, only Remainers wanting a delay to push for Remain. I think that's very true. And Danny says it's quite obvious that Shemima Begum is being coached by her lawyer. What's the say now. It's a real change of tune to what she was saying over the last few weeks where she refused uh, to denounce ISIS. And one uh, from uh, Luke who says, I'm tweeting you from my Huawei phone. No Chinese espionage happening yet in sunny South Wales. And to be honest, I don't care. Bring on 5G. Well, let's go to the phones because lots of you want to talk and I want to hear from you. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Ryan is in the New Forest. Hello, Ryan. Good morning. How are you doing? Very well, sir. What would you like to say? I'd like to say, sorry if my uh, phone has bad reception, because I am actually in Dorset. <laughs> Dorset's a horrendous uh, place to try and get any reception, isn't it? Oh, it is. I actually live in Hampshire. I'm just travelling down here, but it's bad where I am. I'm right. near Southampton. I mean, they call it the Jurassic Coast, they think, because it looks a bit dinosaur-like. I think it's because of the uh, communications. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I was just, I was basically um, calling, uh, because uh, I thought of a point this morning after your first um, guest you had on. Oh, Couple of things. One thing, obviously, no, no, no one seems to point out. If if if, if I have something, you know, if I'm at work and I'm uh, my, my business or whatever, if I'm dependent on something wholly, that there's a there's a reason. If, if that was to go, um, the thing I was dependent on, mm. I was so reliant on it that basically it was to all of a sudden go. I try and work out so I could have something in place. So therefore, if it did all fall down, that I wasn't going to go down, you know? So well, exactly. I don't understand why a country can't adopt that sort of um, mentality. Well, I think the country can. The trouble is, Ryan, right, whenever you hear people like George Pascoe Watson, who's a guy I've known for many years, when he starts talking about, you know, well, of course, we all know for certain that these things are going to happen. And then you say, well, exactly what do we know for certain? It turns out we don't know anything for certain. Well, I mean, that's it. It's, 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 everyone's speculating and it's... Uh, hypotheticals and, uh, you know, to put them down as concrete and to use them as an arguing point, I think is rather stupid. Um, but uh, uh, I got my thinking uh, this morning straight after that, because a lot of people, obviously, if you voted Remain because you're like, really anti-racist and the movement of people and blah, 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 that's fine. You probably are quite progressive. And also, if you did vote out because, you know, you wanted to really shut yourself off from the world, you're a bit racist and things like that, then you are obviously regressive, you know. So, so you're saying Remainers are actually less progressive? Well, no, I'm saying that I think there's a certain side of them that will, because any of them that did remain just to be at the forefront of world economics and to feel that we should have our place still because we are this great nation um, economically and trading yeah. uh, is that not like slightly... Um, an institutional hark back to the old days of the British Empire that you can't well, give up. Listen, I've often uh, accused Remainers of having Stockholm Syndrome, basically saying that one of the reasons they can't leave the European Union is because it's too difficult. Well, that's not a reason not to leave, is it? Well, no, exactly. I mean, you're paid to do a job, and when you've got to actually get down and do that job, if you can't do it, you do look rather stupid and all these people. Uh, thanks as well for pointing out that a lot of people last week when you were away were trying to get away with saying this is one of the uh, biggest historical weeks in political history. Yeah. We're trying to actually lump a good bit of, uh, I don't know, uh, gump underneath their argument. Hyperbole, really, yeah. They are just being spoiled, you know. So it's, uh, 
Uh, yeah. Nice yes, talk. it's as it's as you were, Ryan. Listen, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Even though you were in darkest Dorset, Ryan there managed to get a signal. But it is ridiculous, isn't it, where you can't actually get a signal to make a phone call on your mobile in all sorts of parts of this country, when in most parts of the world now, even those parts which you might regard as slightly less developed than ours, it's absolutely fine. I got a better t- I got a better mobile phone line uh, in Turkey in the middle of the uh, desert than I did uh, down in Dorset, for heaven's sake. Uh, let's go to Susan, who's in Exeter. Hello, Susan. Good morning, Michael. I'm so pleased that you're back. You Me know, the too. Other gentle- the other gentleman was very, very nice, but he hasn't got the panache. And you need, we need you to keep us well, going. You know, we just need you. Very few people have got my panache, Susan, it has to be said. Well, yeah, but don't get too big-headed, because you can go off people, you know. I'm not big-headed at <laughs> all. I'm simply no, stating the facts, Susan. I'm teasing. Um, with these issues, there are several issues here. Yes. Um, with Shamina, this yeah. young lady, she said she wants to come back with her baby and lead, lead a quiet life, yeah. and she wants to now uh, do the opposite to what she's been doing, de-radicalise young ladies for going out there mm. and doing what she did. Right. Here's what I think we should do. Soon, if She she will come back, because the lawyers will get her well, back. Well, I certainly hope these. not. I hope you're wrong, she Susan. Will. She will because she they can't do anything. She has she's as British as you or me. I doubt she's that very much. She she's got the passport. No, man. she's just, no, she's been stripped of her citizenship, Susan. She's not no, British they anymore. Can't do it. They can't do well, it. Well, they've done it. The, you said well, all this before. Listen, you said all this. You were one of those doubters right. who said all this before I went away. Okay. Oh no, she can't yeah. have that happen. Well, it's happened and it did happen. Well, did you know that? Well, of course you know the law gets overturned. When they can overturn it. Who can? Anybody, the, the, the powers that be. Well, they may the do, but there are no grounds yeah, for overturning right, it at the it, moment. It, right. Now, if it, if that happens, if she comes back, right, as soon as she hits the airport, you you put an electronic tag on her, right? She's under surveillance by the police for 24 hours, uh-huh. right? I don't and think that's long then, enough. About 24 years. Long enough. No, hang on. Well, it could go up for all well permanently, twenty-four hours permanently. Right. And if she, if she uh, starts, the minute she starts being naughty, she gets involved with underground activities, with right. radicalisation, etc. Goes on the underground. Bang, bang her up. Well, it's a bit woolly, that Susan. I mean, you can't just no, say. No, it's not. I mean, you can't it's just not. bang her up just because she goes on the underground or because she does something you don't like. No, there is, because she's, she's getting involved with the stuff she's been involved with before, which mm. includes uh, massacring... Yeah, but these people are very... Yeah, but hang on, Susan, these people are very clever. She'll say, oh, well, of course, I uh, went to meet with this radical group in order to yeah. tell them not to be radical. That's what she'll say. Well they'll, have to put, well, they'll have to put bugs in the rooms, won't they? Well, you're not allowed to do that. Why See, not? your your plan is full of flaws, Susan. Full Why aren't they allowed to do it? Because you cannot obtain surveillance on people without first getting a court order. And therefore, in order to get a court order, you have to prove why you want the court order. And it's very difficult to prove that no, you need to no, put people you under don't surveillance. Do all that. You just you just go in as a, as a cleaner or as as cleaner as a as a, as, as, um, as a repairman, <laughs> and you put a bug a repairman. Oh right, okay. Well, well, just get the Chinese to do it. They seem to be experts yeah, well, at this. Ch- the Chinese, you're talking about not allowing them to do the phones, access to the phones. They, they've, get, they've been granted permission to mm. build a nuclear power joint. That's oh, a bit worrying, isn't it? It's you very seem, worrying. You seem, very, you seem as though, listen, you seem to have become wrapped with doubt since I've been away, Susan. I want you to get back on track, right? And no, be, more optimi- like be, more, be more optimistic. Well, there's nothing much to be optimistic about, is there? Of course there is. No. Spring is in the air, for one. 
right? Well, it doesn't. It doesn't deny that that things are still going on that we don't like. Things are always going on that we don't like. Well, that's what I'm here for, Susan. I'm back to sort it all out. Okay. Yeah, thanks for coming back anyway. Yeah, cheers, Susan. You're very, very welcome. It's lovely, isn't it, to get such a marvellous welcome back from Susan, who doesn't seem too sure whether she's glad to have me back or not. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Uh, I'll tell you why there are a lot of people grumpy around here at the moment. In London, Sadiq Khan uh, gets an awful lot of criticism for many of the things that he does, and a lot of it he brings on himself. You know, I don't know Sadiq Khan personally. I've invited him on this show several times. He's always refusing to do it. He likes to go on another station uh, where they give him a bit of a softer ride, I suspect. Uh, but he's very, very good at banning things. He loves banning everything uh, that he doesn't like. For example, he's already banned certain uh, adverts from appearing on the London uh, Transport Network. He's now apparently decided it's a good idea to ban junk food adverts because children are so busy looking at them when they run on the tubes and on the buses that they immediately get off those tubes and buses and start stuffing their faces. He apparently thinks that this is the greatest uh, threat to our society that we have ever seen. Uh, I wouldn't want to draw the conclusion that knife crime might be slightly more important, uh, but let's talk to Carol Cass, an advertising creative uh, who can tell us whether advertising really works in the way that uh, Sadiq Khan thinks it does. Carol, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Now, I don't want to make it too political, this, Carol, but it's a bit of an easy target, isn't it? I mean, are you really going to be telling me that people who watch an advert for McDonald's immediately want to go out and eat a burger? <laughs> we're, we're not even talking about people who watch ads. We're talking about people standing at bus stops and yeah. sitting on tubes, and kids, mainly. Um, I don't know about you. I travel on the bus a lot, and I don't think I've ever seen a child looking at a bus stop poster in my entire life. No. Um, well, they're usually too say, busy eating. I mean, to be honest, I get I get on a bus stop uh, in East London, and if I'm there at the right time when school's kicking out, all the kids are standing there with big bags of chips, so they haven't got time to look at the adverts. They're too busy eating. Yeah, exactly. You know. All they want to do is get out of school and get to the nearest chip shop. Yeah. Um, but this is, I mean, it's it's actually, if you read between the lines, it's actually really, really tame. He's not really going to ban all fast food, all junk food. What what he's banning is some junk food and fast food and it's not very clear in fact it's very confusing about what those parameters are well exactly you can you can you can advertise hamburgers but not cheeseburgers now who's going to stand there and isolate the cheese on a poster (laughs) i don't think i could be bothered 
um, and then some chocolate bars and not others. And also you can advertise nuts, but not salted nuts. So, you know, you've really got to stand there and study what you're looking at. I mean, this is this is why this is why I think you have to. I mean, you have to learn lessons from America. And I've just been there, and I'm going to bore people to death this week with all various stories I'm going to tell <laughs> from being there. But you know, I was having conversations with people about various sort of political scenarios that we have in this country. And you know, the fact is, is we pay these people, right, Sadiq Khan included, to be to do a job for us, right? He works for the public sector, i.e., the taxpayer, and yet we accept being told what to do by him. Now, in America, they sit around in absolute disbelief, and they go, "What? So what? You actually?" listen to what they have to say about your life because they would oh, no more it, take any uh, take it, pay any attention to that uh, than you know look down the barrel of a gun well it's it's, it's also a lot of other things if, if you again read this report it says it was an online survey of 1500 people right. it doesn't say who the people were where they were um, whether they actually can read and write or whether they've yep. got parents that influence their life, nothing. So what were the questions? And who does online surveys in the first place? Right. Kids? I don't think so. Not unless they're going to get something out of it in the end. Well, exactly. I mean, I, I talk to pollsters, many of whom uh, I have a great deal of regard for, but most of their uh, conclusions I have no regard for. But even they say anything less than 2,000 people is not worth the papers written on. No, and this wasn't written on paper. This was an online <laughs> survey. They weren't even in the same room. I mean, I've done enough groups and, you know, looking into all kinds of advertising, all kinds of research, a lot of it for the government over the years. And unless you do it really, really well and spend an awful lot of money on it, unfortunately, you don't get any kind of idea of what people are doing. People are not influenced by advertising when it comes to coming out of school starving. Yeah. Well, the point is, surely, if you really want to take life that seriously and you want to stop children from eating fast food, then ban the fast food. It's what yeah. I used to say to the government about smoking. You know, keep putting the taxes up, ban cigarettes if you want to get That's rid of right. it. Don't just tell us, you know, we're going to tax you more and you're going to pay more. Just don't sell them. And also, if you, if you do stand at the bus stop, as you do in East London every morning, um, and probably just turn slightly to the left, there'll be a sort of newsagent fast food yep. mobile phone shop. Right in the window will be all the fizzy sweet drinks. Sure. So it, it's that's what you will see. You will not see an ad in the bus stop. I wish people did see ads in I mean, what's stop. the advertising community saying about this, Carol? Because I would have thought in the old good old days that there'd be some smart lawyer getting on the phone to, to City Hall and saying, excuse me, guys, uh, you have no mandate for this. You have absolutely no legal authority to stop us from advertising uh, our I wares. Probably, and, I think that might be a bit of a way down the line, but I think rather than that, they're all sitting there, or they were sitting there from whenever this came into the public domain, which is about, well, towards the end of last year, wasn't yeah, it, as a debate. That's right. I think people have been sitting around ever since working out ways of uh, doing you know, clever advertising that gets round the very fact that this isn't a very clear bit of... Um, legislation. I mean, it also says in, in the report that I'm reading this morning, in addition to the buses, the tubes and the trains, uh, junk food adverts will also be banned on roads controlled by TfL, including adverts on roundabouts and at bus stops, taxis, private hire vehicles, dial-a-ride, river services and the Emirates airline cable car. I mean, if you could afford to go on the Emirates airline cable car, which literally goes nowhere, um, you know, then good luck to you. Yeah, you're not going to want a cheap cheeseburger. No. You're really not. I mean, you, for the, you could get about eight cheeseburgers for the cost of going across to the XL centre and back. But it sort of shows, it indicates how out of touch this whole thing is. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm pleased to see Jamie Oliver's got behind it because this is his mandate, isn't it? You know, let kids eat properly and all that. So it's a political... Well, this is the very same Jamie Oliver who's got into bed with some petrol station company to sell sandwiches. 
It's, well, it's, yes. I mean, are they going to be banned? Are they going to be measured for, for, for how much salt content they've got or how much fat they've got in them? No, no. And I don't think it'll make the slightest bit of difference to what's on offer. It will just slightly skew how this is represented on ads and buses and tubes. And I don't think many kids go on the tube, to be quite honest. I, I don't see, I don't see many. A lot, the of them, a lot of them on buses. But, I mean, bottom yeah. line, right, uh, Carol, how are we going to measure whether this has been a success or not, by the way? Well, you can't because if, if you read again very carefully, um, a lot of the bodies that have come into um, this discussion, even cancer research, who are saying, you know, when these kids who are now under 16, perhaps, get older, get to about 70, they might get cancer. So we're not going to see the results for quite a long time. I'm maybe speaking a bit out of order there, but, it, you know, everybody's got a bit of an awe. And it is a problem, but this isn't the way to solve it. It's a huge problem. It really... I think it's to do with education mainly. Well, do you policy. know what? Call me old-fashioned, Carol. I say it down to the parents. I mean, if you're not telling your kids you do not go and eat that rubbish after school, you know, what, what are you doing? Not exactly. Well, you're certainly not giving them any kind of information as to how to um, walk down the street without tripping people up on your scooter. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's crazy. I mean, I've got a tweet here from somebody, uh, which is interesting, uh, where it says, Graham from Bushy, uh, TFL are happy to ban fast food adverts as the food is bad for us. Yeah, they're happy to rent units in their stations and take the rental income from fast food stores such as Greg's in Westminster, which is absolutely right, because whenever we go and yeah. do a show down at Westminster, I always stop at Greg's and get a sausage roll uh, for the morning. <laughs> But only one, mind you. True. You can't you can't walk through anywhere now without finding food. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, if they're actually renting out their 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 spaces to people like Greg's, and I've nothing against yeah, Greg's, but it is a fast food company. You know, there's a there's a hypocritical scene, isn't it? Yes. Well, they haven't been very clear about which fast food they're hitting. Presumably, they're hitting the major companies who um, who advertise, and I would think that's handbagger jones but also it mentions uber eats and just eat and yeah deliveroo um as being as compounding this felony which is even more ludicrous so they've got to start not advertising that they can you know bring you a hamburger if you're really hungry in the middle of the night well that's not kids well, it's certainly not cheap, and there's nothing wrong with it, as long as you do it in moderation. Of course, Carol, thank you very much indeed. Carol Cass there, agreeing with me that this whole idea by Sadiq Khan to somehow demonise fast food restaurants is a complete nonsense. They would not put up with it uh, in any other country apart from this one. Why on earth do we put up with it? I really do wonder that sometimes. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. We've got a new name, actually, now. It's the TIG Group, which technically is the, the Independent Group Group. That's how stupid it is, right? Absolutely ridiculous. Let's talk something uh, more commonsensical, and that is pets. Everybody's got a pet out there. It's a great British tradition, whether you've got a goldfish, a hamster, a cat, a dog, a tortoise, uh, a snake, maybe, an eel. Let's talk to Rosie Barkley, whose clinical companion animal behaviour is. Rosie, very good afternoon to you. Hello. Now, I suppose should come as no surprise to us that uh, our dogs kind of ape our behaviour, if you'll pardon the expression. Um, but cats, I've always thought, were much more independently minded than that. Oh, well, cats are just as clever as dogs and they can pick up on our moods just as easily. Mm. I was under the impression cats were much cleverer than dogs. I've got a dog, a Labrador, right, who's not very bright, I have to say. He's many things. He's wonderful, beautiful. We picked him up uh, yesterday. Uh, we, we sent him off for a week to spend with his mum and the, the breeder that we got him from. Um, and he was very, very pleased to see us. He was jumping up and down. It's always, you always worry that he's going to do himself an injury. He gets so excited. But cats, I mean, I've had cats, and the cats can just kind of look up at you with one eye when you come back in because you don't even have to take them anywhere. They can stay at home and look after themselves. They never seem to care whether you're there or not. 
<laughs> well, cats, of course, are uh, more independent animals, yeah. whereas um, dogs live in groups and we are a massive part of their group. So, of course, they're really pleased to see us when we get back. Right. I mean, this new um, survey that's been done or new sort of research done by uh, animal behaviour experts at mm-hmm. Lincoln University, I don't know if you've had a chance to see the rawness yeah. of it or just whether you've seen the news reports, but they say things like if you're a bit neurotic, uh, you're less likely to let your cat outside. And so the cat might have a bigger chance of being overweight or anxious or fearful, may show behavioural problems. I mean, how sort of true is that? Yes, no, absolutely. Um, Cats like to go out. (laughs) Um, They need to be busy, especially in the mornings and evenings. So if you're a bit worried about your cat, a little bit neurotic, and you keep them in and you keep giving them food rather than um, other things to do, yeah. then yes, you know they are likely to get um, a little bit more obese. But I mean, there's lots of things you can do if you're a little bit worried. So there's lots of things you can do with food. You mm. don't have to just give it to them in a bowl. You can hide it. You can do creative things with empty loo rolls and cardboard oh, yeah. boxes right. and get them to actually find their food. Mm. I mean, we all love a bit of hide-and-seek. <laughs> But do you um, think the cat would? Because I've, I mean, I've yeah. seen cats before that can be—they can be quite vicious if they don't like what you're doing. <laughs> oh, we want to add a little bit of joy. I, used to have, I mean, I think they were just playing. But I used to have a cat when I would get up out of bed in the middle of the night. It used to attack me. It used to like go for my ankles, and it was dark, so it was quite frightening at times, you know. <laughs> well, it's a bit game, isn't it? They're having a bit of fun. Yeah. I mean, cats like to have a bit of fun, so let them have a bit of fun. You know. Make sure your house is full of lovely enriching things like dangling things and um, ping pong balls and boxes with bits of scrunched up newspaper or something inside with things hidden in there. So they've got to find them. So keep them busy. Mm. Nothing worse than just sitting around doing nothing because you get fat and you get depressed and become a couch potato. But there is lots of things you can do. If you're a bit worried about letting your cat out, then make sure that the inside of your, the the home that the cat is in, the environment is really enriched with lots of lovely things for them to play with and to find and to hunt. They need to sort of hunt. And if they're not allowed out, they have to do it in the house. And if it's your feet (laughs) in the middle of the night, then so Well, true. Um, And why don't people like their cats to go outside? Because is it a fear that they won't come back? Mm. Is it a fear that they're going to be attacked by a fox? I mean, I've actually seen on the streets of London a cat chasing Mm. a fox away (laughs) because, they, you know, you don't mess with the cats in London. I don't know, I've seen a rat chase a cat away. Um, yeah, um, I think a lot of it's road traffic you know, accidents. There's so many cats, yeah. especially when they're young, you know, they go out and they start, um, you know, sort of going around, and, and especially when they're young and they're wanting to go out and seek and find things and, you know, just have a really good time, yeah. party, then um, they're more likely to get, you know, they're not learnt about the dangers of road traffic right. and they get run over. But yes, it's very, you know, if you've had a cat that's died on the road, it's, it's very tragic. And it's, it's very traumatic. it's very traumatic, isn't it? Mm. Particularly for so kids. Quite, if you've got, if you've got yeah. kids and they've got a pet, it's really mm. awful, isn't it? It is. It's, it's horrible. And there's so many, you know, cats are, um, unfortunately, you know, um, end up at, um, in the vets through very traffic accidents. Mm. So owners obviously and understandably want to keep them in. And and that's great, but the cat possibly, normally, usually wants to go out. Yeah, right. Um, well, because so they they've, they've got this kind of instinct thing going on, haven't they, where they like catching mice, they like bringing you presents. I mean, my sister's got a, a cat which is sort of goes outside and she lives in the countryside in Connecticut and it will quite often bring a half-eaten mouse back into the house or a half-eaten chipmunk, Mm. you know, as a present, as a kind of a tribute. Well, it brings it in because it's its home territory and it feels safe there so it can eat it and get, you know, and and do what it has to do with it. So you've really got to 
create that environment, the outside environment, inside your, your, your own home if you're not letting it out. So lots of things, places for it to climb up onto um, and into and hide and find things. So you're sort of recreating the outside, bringing cat grass, <laughs> plants that are safe for your cat to be around, <laughs> that oh. sort of thing. You know, it's, it, they're not going to be very happy or a bit miserable just sitting around in the sort of very empty, barren environment. Yeah. So they are going to want to so, go So, I mean, out. Would, you, would you sort of recommend real interaction with any pet in terms of, you know, a lot of people have a mm. pet and they kind of just stroke them occasionally when they feel like it or <sighs> give them a treat or something like that. I mean, should you really do the whole sit them down, have a conversation with them, you know, stare into their eyes, play with them a bit? Absolutely, we all need a bit of joy in our lives. Yeah. Um, but do you know, offer them what they like to do. As I said, you know, dogs love to go finding things. They've got these super noses. Um, so you know, hide their food around the house or the garden for them to find. They yeah. absolutely love going out finding it. Yeah. And even if it's some bit of kibble that they don't normally have and they're not that bothered about leaving their bowl, you start hiding it and they will eat it. Right. Um, so, you know, there's some really good ideas. Um, well, my dog is very enthusiastic about pretty much mm. anything. I mean, you take him out exactly mm. the same walk that you went on for the f- previous 15 days, and he'll be even more delighted than he's doing it for a 16th day in a row. <laughs> ah, but it's changed. You might not see it's changed, but the smells and yeah. the scent that that dog's picking up, it's all every day there'll be a different scent. Right. And it's like going out and reading a newspaper and really writing your emails. Oh. I mean, they, they smell and sniff and leave emails all over the place. Sure. They'll be very different for them, different environment, because they've, they've got these superhuman noses. So make use of them. Don't just drag your dog around the block. Um, let it sniff. No, well, I'm very fortunate. I live in a, in a quite rural place, so he can, mm. he's, he's off the lead pretty much all the time. You know. And all those different animals that are going to be around and yeah. leaving their scent as well. It's, it's, a, it's a great fun playground for them. Yeah. And, they, ex- and you need to go out with your dog. Very exciting. My, I'll tell you an interesting thing about my dog. He doesn't like... The high street, you know, down down in mm. Sussex, it's quite a small high street. It's quite busy. But there's one particular place that he really doesn't like, and it's the butcher's shop. Now, normally, you'd expect him to love the butcher's shop because it's full of sausages mm. and pork chops and all that. But he goes really weird when we go near it, almost as though something bad happened there. Is that something that you, oh, can, that you yeah. could sort of, I don't know, you could define for us? Did, did something bad happen there? Well, I don't know. There was actually, <laughs> funnily enough, there's also another part of the high street where there was a, uh, somebody got run over. He doesn't like going there either. And somebody was actually killed there. But this is more a shop front sort of situation where I don't know whether anything bad happened. I'm hoping it didn't. Um, no, he should butchers. like the smell, I would have thought. But perhaps, yeah. um, do you sort of, when you go past, just tug him a little quicker just in case he decides to go in the closet? Not really. No. Not yeah. really. It's it's almost as though I mean we know you know you, you know your dog very well. It's mm. almost, and it's almost as though he's frightened of something there. Hey, well, he, read him. You know, let him tell you. If he says he's frightened, then yeah. he is going to be frightened. So don't try and drag him too close. Go to the no. other side of the road. Sort of r- rattle those treat you know, treat pack in your pocket and jolly him along yeah. past, and then perhaps offer him a little treat or something just as you go. Well, past we just I mean we don't have to take there. we just don't have to take him up there. We used to go up to a little mm. cafe and he'd just come in and have breakfast with us, but we don't we just don't <laughs> do it that much anymore. Got a I got a great tweet here from Linda who sent a lovely picture of her cat who's called George, and she says George is grumpy because he's got an abscess on his shoulder after mm. fighting with trouble next door. I'm grumpy mm. because it's going to cost me a minimum of eighty quid <laughs> at the vets today and much more if it has to if he has to be put under to sort it out. <laughs> yep, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, of course, animals do get grumpy, just like we do when yeah. they are feeling under the weather or in pain. So, if there's any, if you ever see any behaviour change in your cat or dog, and you can't sort of 
put your finger on it, why that's happened, and take them along to the vet, because you never know. They're very good at hiding pain. Yeah. So just the fact that there's a little bit of behavior change there might indicate that there's some bit of pain, underlying pain issues going on there. So pop oh, okay. along to your vet. And obviously, if they decide it's, it's a behavioral issue, then they'll refer you to a qualified <laughs> clinical animal behavior yeah. that can help I you. Wanna, I, I mean, have you seen sort of, I mean, you must have done as an animal behaviorist, you must have seen kind of situations where dogs are literally, I don't know, traumatized by something that's happened to them. Um, and a lot of people, of course, will adopt a dog, maybe a rescue dog or something like that, mm. which can be challenging, can't it? Absolutely. Yeah, we, I mean, we sort of think there's no reason why they shouldn't get post-traumatic stress disorder, just like we do. Yeah. Um, but in that case, you would have to go along to your vet and they will refer you to a properly qualified um, animal behaviourist. Unfortunately, our industry or our field is not regulated Right. Um, so anybody can advertise themselves as a pet behavioural oh, really? counsellor. Yeah. So just make sure that your your vet will know who the properly qualified. So you should you should really are. get a recommendation from a vet then. Is what you're saying? Absolutely. Um, all clinical animal behaviours will only go through um, through vet referral. Right. Okay. Um, so as again, lots of there's lots of underlying reasons why dogs and cats and other pets have you know behavioural changes, yeah. and a lot of that is is because of pain. And we don't know they're in pain because they're so blooming good at hiding. Yeah. Right. And Mary says this. She sent a great text. She says, I was laughing when you said cats don't mind if you leave them alone. I left my cat overnight with food, water and a clean litter tray. And the next morning after checking, I was back. She then snubbed me for the rest of the day, ignoring any interaction. She definitely minded. <laughs> Absolutely. And so would you, I think. Um, yeah, cats, of course, they, 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 they do like their owners being around. Um, and some more than others, it's, they're quite independent. They're quite individual. Most animals are individual. You know, that, that what, what one does the other ones what might not there's always those exceptions to the rule right. yeah it's <laughs> um, fascinating but no, cats I mean... like, yeah no they do like they like people they mm. like you can tell they do because they come up to you with their tail up and a little bit of a quiver and they rub themselves all around your legs to make sure that they put their scent back on you right <laughs> so you oh yeah no them. listen well, well when they want to they like you when they want to like you that's <laughs> the cupboard thing. love yeah yes exactly well listen rosie fantastic have you got a website or something that people can look at yes well, tell us what it is then <laughs> it's rosie barkley yeah um, dot com. Is it? Well, <laughs> Basically, very Barclay, same as bank. Okay. Well done. Thank you very much indeed. Rosie Barkley, clinical companion, animal behaviourist. Somebody very sound uh, who knows an awful lot uh, about the animal world. And here's one from Sean who says, My dog won't walk past the vet surgery without trying to drag us in. He's a bit mental. He also hates cyclists and children, just like me and the wife. <laughs> well, that's the thing. If you don't like cyclists or children, your dog will be the same. Do you remember the guy that barked at Sunderland fans? That was brilliant. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi. 
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.